A contrast between two men, next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Today we continue our series, The Life of David. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 24. The message is called Chasing Dead Dogs and Fleas. And we're focusing in on the contrast between Saul and David. We'll pick up today's broadcast with a look at how Saul has disobeyed God and what he actually did and the consequences for this disobedience. This is where we pick up our time together today. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's program. Well, because you gave in and rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. And from that time on, Samuel never sees him again. In the last verse, and the Lord was grieved that he'd made Saul king over Israel. What does he do with the rest of his life? Well, he told him that God was going to raise up a neighbor who had a heart for God. A heart for God means you do what he says. Just, you just do what he says. Doesn't mean you feel it. Not there's sometimes there's no feeling in obedience. You just do it. In chapter 16, God raises up this man after his own heart and he's anointed king. Chapter 17, the boy shows up about 16, 17, and he becomes a national hero in a day because he kills Goliath. In chapter 18, Saul hears the song that David's killed his 10,000. Jealousy and envy hits him, and he begins his six immediate plots on his life. Twice in chapter 18, he throws the javelin at him. In chapter 18, he ambushes the home, uh, or he gives him a dowry of 100 Philistine foreskins. And what the dowry was about is, if you even attempt to get that many foreskins, you'll be killed in the process. I'll let the Philistines kill you. Well, he comes back with 200 of them. God delivered him. Then, that didn't work. They ambushed his house. And Saul's daughter, David's wife, makes an escape for him. And he goes over the city wall and escapes. He brings him back. He throws some more javelins at him. Then he starts a 10-year campaign, track him down. The most wanted man in Israel is the greatest man in Israel. But the king is now demon-oppressed and driven. And he begins to chase a dead dog and a flea with the rest of his life. He begins an endless pursuit. He would never take himself by the throat and deal with his own heart. So he begins to live a life of wasted energy, wasted priorities, wasted blaming, wasted hate. He becomes a man that says, I've played the fool. I spent all my energy chasing a dead dog. Warren Wiersbe says something that I think we need to listen to. If God puts something in my hand without first doing something to my heart, my character will lag behind my achievements and that is the way to ruin. If God's a big assignment without first developing your character, in the assignment, you will fall hard. Spurgeon said, beware of no man more than yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. 
every woman should read. It was written for men. It's called Finishing Strong. One year I gave it to our leaders. And in that book, he uh, tells the story of John Bassano, who pastored for years at First Baptist in Houston. And where Bassano was a young man and courting this girl, one night he was talking to his father-in-law-to-be. And uh, the old man began to talk to John because John said, I want to be a preacher. And he was a uh, Bible college and going to go to seminary. And so Dr. Paul Beck began to talk to this future son-in-law of his and said, uh, let me tell you some things, John, if you want to be a preacher. And this is what he said. John, as you get ready to enter the ministry, I want to give you some advice. Stay true to Jesus. Make sure that you keep your heart close to Jesus every day. It's a long way from here to where you're going to go, and Satan's in no hurry to get you. He continued, it has been my observation that just one out of ten who start out in full-time service for the Lord at 21 are still on track by the age of 65. They're shot down morally. They're shot down with liberal theology. They get obsessed with making money. But for one reason or another, nine out of 10 fall out. The 20-year-old Bassano was shocked. I can't believe that. That's impossible. That just can't be true. He probably was a Calvinist, never thought it could happen. Uh, Bassano went home and he took out the blank pages that used to be in the back of the old Schofield Bible. And he wrote down the names of 24 young men who were his peers and contemporaries. There were young men in their 20s who were sold out for Jesus. They were trained for ministry and burning in their desire to be used by the Lord. They were committed preachers who would have an impact on the Lord in their generation. Bassano relates the following with a sigh. I am now 53 years old. From time to time, as the years have gone by, I've had to turn back to that page in my Bible and cross out a name. I wrote down those 24 names when I was 20 years of age. 33 years later, there are only three names remaining of the original 24. Howard Hendricks conducted a study of 246 men in full-time ministry who experienced personal moral failure within a two-year period. 246 men went out of the ministry within 24 months because they morally fell. In other words, Hendricks was able to find nearly 250 men who derailed within 24 months of each other. That's roughly 10 a month for two years. 10 guys a month in moral failure. That's two, almost three guys a week. And each of them started strong. Let's look at some principles of this life. How are you running the race? Where are you? Let me just underscore some points. Remain willing to wait for a word from God before you proceed with your life. I don't know if you're out of control or if you're taking the steps according to his word. The biggest problem we find in counseling in this church is most of those in the deepest problems have spent the least time reading God's word on the problem or praying about it. It's not always true. Sometimes we need counsel. We need wisdom. We need good advice. 
But sometimes in that spiral of sin, the messes we get into, we'll find one wrong choice leads to another wrong choice to cover that wrong choice. And pretty soon you're down here, you're about to the 20th wrong choice, and the life is in a mess. Because God was never consulted. I see this all the time. We warn our young people, don't choose the wrong, don't just get married to get married. You know what's worse than being married? It's being miserably married. Being single is not too bad when you're in the will of God. Being single is not too bad when you're walking in fellowship with God. But sometimes we'll get our young people, you know, I, I don't want to be an old maid. And why are you going to marry him? I don't want to get old. I, I, I've got to. Well, you're only 22. Yeah, but time's running out. I've just got to take anything that breathes, anything that moves. It's God. He, yes, there's a pulse. It's God's will. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, it can turn sour quick. We had a young man in this church. It was a tragedy. He was married to a gal that graduated from Moody. You know, it just had to be. He loved the word. Six months divorce. And he's a wonderful young man. Had a young man in the college I used to be at. Uh, one of the finest students we ever had. But in the area of marriage, it, everything fell apart. Be sure you do it God's way. And then, even then, we never know what the final chapter looks like. But at least you can know I did it God's way. You'll never be disappointed that his word guided you. Two, worship without obedience is worthless. It's putrid to God. Here's a man that's all concerned about worship. I've got to give the sacrifice to God. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you have broken the word of God and now you want to go into a worship meeting? And he asked Samuel to go up with him. And Samuel at first says, I don't want to. But then he goes ahead for appearance sake and make the king look good. And so Samuel the prophet shows up. But if you're not going to obey God, don't try to compensate it with a bunch of religiosity, a lot of church talk, and a lot of worship, and a lot of emotion. It is sickening. Jesus quoted Isaiah, there is a generation that draws nigh to me with their lips, but their hearts are a thousand miles away. It doesn't affect their morals. It doesn't affect how they pay their bills. It doesn't affect their honesty. It's never affected their conversation. It doesn't affect what they watch on TV. It doesn't affect the way they treat their wife. You, you are messed up. If God's word can't rein you in, you're fit for tragedy and you will meet it. Because God will not be mocked. I don't care how saved you say you are. Stalin said, I won't believe Christianity until the Christians start looking more like Christians. Quit being so loud. What you live, an ounce of obedience is worth a ton of exhortation. Just somebody that prays exhorts me more than telling me to pray. Someone that gives exhorts me to give. They don't need to tell me to. And what a lesson he tells this king who's now in a theocracy. And he's the monarch under the king eternal. But now he covers every base. I move against the enemy when I want. Oh, if you don't follow the orders, just double the offering. If you don't want to clean up your act, just give a little bit more to the building program and God will ignore you sleeping with the wrong person as though he's impressed. Keep your money. God's not broke. 
He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and silver in them. Do not try to buy him off. Just do what he says. All this made up morals and ethics. My Christianity has no effect on my morals because I'm a 2001 Christian. No, you're 2001, but I go slow on the Christian. God saves and God changes. Even the weakest of us have been changed. Three, pride and position can presume to act as God instead of representing God. Be careful, be careful. Don't. I see people have a little bit of success in their Christian life. That's where I'm the most fearful for them. I'm afraid they're going to go on the road now and start holding seminars. In about three weeks, just hold it. If you can do it for three weeks, you're doing good. Go three months, and once you get up to about three years, now maybe you might be good enough to teach a junior boys class. Don't get too puffed up with representing God. Something happened to Saul once he got in the position. He fell apart. It's always our scariest thing in picking leaders in this church. We never want to get a novice. And we don't want to get anyone that becomes proud that they're an office bearer. Being an office bearer in the church is washing feet. It's the greatest become the servant of all. I don't even have a pastor's parking lot out there. I, I park in the staff of the month. That represents the youth group, but I've tried to take it over. <laughs> if you want to know how you can mess up your life, you can fail to pursue God first and, re and waste the rest of your life chasing dead dogs and fleas. You don't think that's possible? Interview Solomon, who comes to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes and said, I've chased after the wind. I've got nothing but gravel in my hands. I've grasped for wind. And in that wind was a thousand women, including concubines. In that wind chase, I've got all kinds of building projects. In that wind chase, I'm the smartest man there is on the earth. In that wind chase, gold and silver is common as rocks in Jerusalem. But let me tell you what I learned. The whole duty of life is to fear God and keep his commandments, the very thing I didn't do. But he learned. You'll have no regrets if you do it God's way. God's not going to ask you if you had a big ministry and all this. Did you just do what I say? Ask the rich fool that uh, was a successful businessman. He got into a capital development program. He's building barns. Man, they're making so much money. He's wise. He's astute. And everything is going great. And he builds extra barns. You know, the company's got to expand. I'd be there on Sunday, but man, we are in an economic boom. We've got to make it while you can make it. You understand, God? Yes, I do. That night, about midnight. Who is it? It's God, and he doesn't show up with a pink slip. He shows up with a death certificate. He said, tonight, I'm going to take you home. Wait, wait. Do, maybe you didn't get in our last conversation. You didn't understand. We're in capital development. We're building barns. I hope you have someone that can manage them. Because where you're going, we won't need barns. That's not fair. 
applied all my strength. No, no, no. You're a fool. You had time to make money, but you had no time to cultivate a relationship with me. You've been chasing dead dogs and fleas. Yeah, I was kind of going on about, isn't it amazing what people would devote their whole life to do? You know, I am told that one of the reasons the project down here on the curve where the Caroni Brothers equipment is stopped, do you know why that project stopped? They had to transfer, I believe, four frogs to Pittsburgh, and those who had that had to buy the land in Pittsburgh to transfer them because uh, we've got to save the frogs. Now, it sounds silly, doesn't it? But think of people who ride on the high seas in these rubber boats just intercepting whalers. Now, I'm not for killing off everything, but I'm thinking of their devotion, their whole life. And so they come to the end of their life, what did you do? I saved Shamu twice over. Okay, good, good. We've got two more whales. Or here's one. Why not climb Mount Everest? Have you ever seen the film? I mean, I am fascinated. I was a climber as a boy, but you know, I only got 20 feet in the air. <laughs> Broke my leg and had all kinds of problems from it. But I've seen these guys. And you know, the epitome is to reach the top. Have you ever seen it? They're up there. Time for picture. All right. Well, the fingers seem stiff. Yeah, they're frostbitten. And the guy, I only lost three toes. I only, I don't need my left hand anyway. These three will go. But, but we did it. You did it. And I'm there with a clicker and a cup of tea. Isn't this fascinating? <laughs> I, this is marvelous. He went out climbing. Sunshine Mountain. I think we taught that in junior church for years. You mean that's, that's your whole life? Yeah. Man, I climb. At least I used to. Whoa, man, we can say you climb on the highest. Yes, I'm at the top in my field. Matter of fact, I'm the only one alive in it. You can devote a whole life to chasing stuff. That won't matter. And, you know, we do just as crazy things. Any mountain climbers, I'm sorry, just had to use the illustration. <laughs> if you want to climb mountains, climb them. At least you're not hurting the deer. <laughs> but I see the stuff that people pour their life into. And as I read Steve Farrar, he, the book was written to men, so the language was a little tough. It was just gross when he said, he read about all these mission statements for life and all like that. He said, he wrote his in one sentence. One sentence. He said, I wrote my life statement and life mission. And it says, don't screw up. I thought, wow. <laughs> Guy's got to earn doctorate. That's the deepest thing he can say. <laughs> I at least say, don't mess up. That's kind of sanctified a little bit here. And then he goes down this litany. I don't want to mess up my marriage. I don't want to mess up my ministry. I don't want to get to loving money. I don't want to be looking at the wrong woman. I don't want to be goofing up with my kids and say I'm so busy I don't have time to raise who I fathered. And he just goes down the list. I don't want to mess up. Well, you finish strong is the question. This 
Saul goes out consulting a witch of Endor in chapter 29. And the only reason he talks to a witch, God quit talking to him. Because when you won't do what God says, he'll see to it you can't hear what he says. So God quits talking. He won't give him a prophet. He won't give him dreams. He won't give him Urim or Thummim. He cannot find out what God's going to do when he fights the Philistines. And God says, I'm going to tell you. And they bring up Samuel. And he comes back from the dead and says, you're going to die on the hills of Mount Gilboa tomorrow. You wouldn't listen to God. And this is your death sentence. Chapter 31. He's wounded by the archers. He begs his sword seal bearer to run him through and he won't. So he falls on his own sword. He winds up taking his own life so that the Philistines won't mutilate his body. But they decapitate him anyway and hang him on the city wall at Gath. Oh, what a tragedy. I must say this. It doesn't matter how you start it if you don't finish well. Because you'll remember for how you end it, not how you start it. And I would just say... Quit chasing dead dogs and fleas. Quit chasing somebody that's not the real enemy. David's not your enemy. It's your heart. Why don't you repent? I keep looking for Saul to say, I'm wrong enough. I'll change my mind. I'll preserve the energy I've got left. The rest of my life will be spent doing it right. I'm tired of chasing endless, endless goals and people to do them wrong. There was another Saul in the Bible, and he was pursuing the people of God to kill them, but he met Christ on the Damascus Road. And in one day, his name went from Saul, Saul, which means asked, to the name Paul, which means little. In one day, an encounter with Jesus Christ made him no longer chase the wind, no longer religiously persecute believers, but in a day he bowed to the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus. Little maybe in stature, but he became little in his own eyes, for he said, I was like an aborted fetus born out of due season, but I am what I am by the grace of God. I want to tell you, your end does not have to be insane. It does not have to be on the hills of Mount Gilboa. It might be at a guillotine in Nero's court, but you can go out saying, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith and henceforth has laid up for me a crown of righteousness and not to me only, but to all who love his name. That is the goal. That is the goal. I want to end with Paul, not with the Saul of the Old Testament. What a tragedy. What a heartbreak. And you know what? I, I go back to my youth I don't know any of the preachers, only one, I guess, only one preacher that I started out with as a young, hotshot teenage preacher that did youth groups mainly, that still preaches. Rich Rollins and I went to a school where I had many of the same acquaintances. And one day he talks to me, and not with pride, not with any, he just says, where are they today? Where are they? Don't be ambushed. Humble yourself. God will keep you. God will direct you. And you won't have to talk about how good it was at the beginning. You can say, I'm as up to date with God today as I was 20 years ago. Because it gets better and sweeter and more intimate. It doesn't get old if you keep pursuing.
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us. And we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864 or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship. And you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Mm -hmm.